Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, this podcast is all that you A Ted Lasso podcast on Post Show Recaps. You better believe it. Welcome to our Ted Lasso talk. I'm Josh Wiggler, joined here by Antonio Mazzaro to talk season two, episode five of Ted Lasso, Rainbow. Antonio, oh my gosh, the the butterflies. I thought this was a Wario cast. Yeah, yeah. I did want to apologize first and foremost <laughs> that our uh, regular third co-host, Wario, as Roy Kent calls him. <laughs> Could not be here. He is currently stuck in uh, on casino duties, as he is wont to do in the post-show recaps universe. If you'd like to find out more about uh, featured player on post-show recaps Wario in the post-show recaps patron experience, you can go to patreon.com slash post-show recaps. F around and find out. Uh, <laughs> will, yeah, uh, that's not how it goes all the way. But you want to find out about our relationship with Wario. Uh, we could certainly do something about that. Antonio, Roy Kent. Roy Kent. Roy Kent. He's here. Legend. He's there. He's Every f and where legend. He's he's back. Roy Kent, unbelievable. What a what a time. I'm so happy. I I know what I said a few weeks ago. Like take Roy Kent off the show. Let him be happy. But this is happiness for Roy Kent, isn't it? It is. Yeah. When you said it, you were right, right? Because it would it would not have been appropriate at that time. It would not have seemed right. Roy Kent had to decide that he was ready. The way he decided that he was ready and how that played out. Over the last, especially like 10 minutes or so of this episode was fantastic. I loved it so much. I'm all in on Roy Kent. I'm team Roy Kent. And whatever Roy Kent wants, I think Roy Kent should do. And I'm so glad that what he wants is to be back at AFC Richmond because it'll bode well, I think, for everybody else involved. Although we'll certainly suss out. Yeah, we'll certainly suss Uh, out for some of the people that it might not bode as well for. But yeah, listen, nothing sticks here. We'll, we'll, it's Ted Lasso. We could get the next episode's probably going to be six months down the line and three people are going to be engaged. Who knows what's happening? Yes. All right. So here we are. We're going to make ourselves big before we... Uh, is that You do that every time before you podcast, right? You like go into a room, you look in the mirror, you raise your arms up, you stand on your tippy toes, you scream, ah, or some kind of noise like that. Yeah, exactly. No, I do the opposite. I make myself very, very, very small. Very small. small. Yes, as small as I possibly small. can. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to get into everything Roy Kent. We'll get into what's going on with Nate. 
Nobody spit at your screens as we are doing this podcast. Please find another way to pump yourself up. Uh, we will talk about what's happening on the screens of uh, Rebecca and potentially Ted. Uh, so much to discuss in this one. Free kicks as well. We're going to have a great time here. Of course, we want your feedback. Ted Lasso at postshowrecaps.com. You can send that in. You can also tweet at us. I'm at Round Howard. Antonio is at AC Mazar with how many Z's and R's? It's a two Z's and one R situation. It's a 2Z1R situation. Um, Antonio, this episode, Rainbow, uh, the the ROM communism uh, is in full effect, sweeping the nation of Ted Lasso Nation, at least. Um, what did you think of this one? Uh, did it warm your cold, dead heart, Antonio? <laughs> oh my. I would not like to be branded as such. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> it warmed, yes, the cockles of my cold, dead heart are fully warmed, yes. Josh. Uh, yes. No, I absolutely love this episode, honestly. And I. Honestly. It is a situation, as I said last week, uh, leading into this episode on this podcast, where. I have learned to stop worrying and love the bomb, if it were as it were. I would. I've learned to stop worrying and trust the process of Ted Lasso season two. I'm in a place where I'm taking in the show differently. Obviously, not just because we're watching it week to week, which I did not do for season one, but also because we're podcasting about it. So there's a lot of investment in these plot lines, or where is this stray glance going to lead, and what what is intended in that. Uh, I don't need to necessarily have any of that delivered on. I am excited about watching the rest of this season and then thinking about all these various moments throughout uh, and how they stack up in the life of a character like Nate, for example, who very clearly over the course of these episodes is going through some things. Roy Kent, a good example. This is a signpost for Roy Kent, a big moment. But uh, we have seen how this is sort of evolving, and we haven't seen any direct lines. It's just sort of like Roy Kent's unhappy. Roy Kent won't even talk to Ted Lasso. Keeley's pushing him in one direction. He doesn't want to go in that direction. Okay, now he's happy with that direction, but why is he still not coming to the match? Why is he still not there for all of his ex-teammates? And I think it had to be that Roy had to really uh, let himself go and learn that it was okay to take on a different role within the game. And I think... Obviously, being a pundit led him to that direction, but uh, it was a process, and that process played out over a, a series of episodes. The other thing that's not lost on me, and I want to say this right away from the jump, that I, yes, I talked to yes. you about it, but we know we live in a world where the reality of how this show was created is that they wrote a 10-episode season. They broke it out. They had all the stories planned out. This is going to happen in this episode, and this, this is going to happen in this episode, and so on. And they wrote the first three episodes thinking that they would air in a block. That is confirmed from people who have worked on the show. We've talked about it on this podcast. Those first three were meant to be watched the first week that the episodes came out. Then... Before the Christmas episode ever existed, we were supposed to just go right into this episode. So there's a world where this is week two of Ted Lasso's streaming experience, season two on Apple uh, TV. So yeah, if this whole thing plays out exactly as the creators intend it, uh, if this whole thing plays out exactly as uh, as the uh, the um, the the Diamond Dogs that are responsible <laughs> for Ted Lasso had designed it, this is the second week of the show, right? This is the second week that we're engaging with the content. It's the, second- the Christmas episode isn't there. Right. And they released those first three in a single shot. Right. And so if the Christmas episode is gone, you get those first three episodes, you binge them. The next week, you get Rainbow. Yep. 
And it doesn't seem like that long of a journey for Roy Kent under those circumstances. And maybe we, we say like, well, well, yeah, there was some Nate stuff earlier in the season, but the last couple episodes, it hasn't been as prominent. Well, that's because the last couple episodes would have been aired at the same time the first week. Like we have to be able to trust what these creators are doing. The other thing to consider, and I've said this a ton, and I apologize to anyone who's hearing this who has heard me rant about this, but it's a very difficult task. Leave the fountainhead out of it, Antonio. (laughs) It's a very difficult task to consider the fountainhead. Uh, No, it's a very difficult (laughs) task to write a TV show. It has to be in this environment where you know the vast majority of the people who will ever consume your content through time immemorial will do so in a binge. Like the only time anyone's ever going to be watching this and waiting seven days and watching another episode is like literally right now. Everyone or when post show recaps inevitably does one of those uh, uh, rewatch projects that literally no one has asked for, <laughs> uh, but I can't help myself from doing. Well, but even in that realm, I'm sure people are are having a. I know some people are having a hard time just keeping themselves to the week to week. But you're right; like that could happen. But the vast majority of the people who are going to consume this content are going to do so watching one after the other. It's just that's how it's going to happen. That's the way the vast majority of us. And shout out to you if you're the special person who happened to watch Ted Lasso week to week in series one. I know you're out there, but the vast majority of the people who have watched Ted Lasso at this point did not do that. Uh, they consumed yeah, it, it in the. the- it was the rolling boulder like everybody like found everyone found out about it and like it just was when did you hop on but that seemed to be sort of the process last year right and so i don't think it's necessarily fair for us to compare seasons one and two if we're not consuming them the same way and until we've seen all of season two so i i think it's interesting to look at this episode in light of that that this should have been the second episode of this season in terms of the one we saw in week two after having consumed the three previous. And I think when you look at it in that frame, the Nate stuff is much more of a through line. The Roy Kent stuff is much more of a through line. There are these emotional through lines. And I think it'll be interesting to trace Ted and Rebecca if we're, if we're shipping them or if we're not uh, and where they're at both as individuals and together uh, in that lens, in that lens, the way the creators intended and probably later in a binge. So I just want to get that out of the way because it, it really did occur to me in this episode that this should have been the second uh, week, and it's not. It's the it's the fifth week, and that feels very different as a result. And the whole experience is going to feel different because we're doing it differently. So I just wanted to get that out of there from the out out of there from the jump because it does really impact the way I'm feeling about this. You ask me how I'm feeling. I'm, I feel great because I feel better about Ted Lasso thinking about those things uh, than I did when I was wondering like. How could you like build up to this big climax with Dubai Air and then never mention it again? Right. I have a feeling it's going to get mentioned again. They they followed up on a joke that was a random throwaway from season one uh, in this episode. They what does a British owl say? Whom exactly? Whom did that? Yeah. They did that. So and you, yeah, I I had forgotten about it. So if you if you want to just remind people where that's from, you you and you uh, amazingly serendipitously like wound up on this uh, like about two minutes before we started recording. Yeah, season one, episode nine, uh, which is the episode uh, where. Ted is struggling with what to do with Roy Kent. Uh, there, there has been a period of the season that we didn't really see play out in the course of the season that we find out about where Roy has struggled after the Everton game. Uh, and we're in a position where Ted has to bench Roy and Ted does not want to do it. He doesn't want to do it. Roy doesn't want to do it. But everyone else, including Beard and Nate, know that it needs to happen. 
Beard and Nate start giving Ted the cold shoulder and the silent treatment because he won't do it. And when they're outside, uh, Ted is trying to talk to Beard. Beard moves away. So then Ted tries to talk to Nate. And the way he tries to talk to him, he says, Nate, what's a British owl say? And Nate runs away. So right there in that moment, Ted never finishes his joke. And then in this episode, Beard brings it back and they finish it. So that's six months later. (laughs) And if that's six months later, what what, what else could we reference or what else could we do? I think we're going to draw more clear lines around a lot of this stuff that has been set up as potential sources of conflict that maybe hasn't bloomed yet because we're supposed to be in week two. Uh, and we have a whole lot of season left to go. So I, I really think that I, I do trust the process. I think it's very interesting. I don't think it was intentional, but you know how this show goes, Josh, when it's not intending. Ted's speech to the team at the beginning when they're watching video, um, Ted says, our job is to have zero expectations and just to let go. Uh, that's what he says to the team. And I do wonder, like, is that what we're supposed to do with Ted Lasso right now? Should we not expect specific plot lines to be tied together? Just let go, watch the thing, and then say, okay, this is where they failed. This is where they succeeded, etc. How do you feel yeah. about that in this week-to-week podcast world? I love it. You know, it's very freeing because I feel like often, and especially a lot of the stuff that you and I do, uh, like Mr. Robot is a prime example of just like, when you and I would podcast about that show and go week to week, we were going from like mystery to mystery and like, how is this connecting to that? Um, I think oddly, uh, Antonio, and this is something I don't know if we've talked about it on air, but I know that I've talked to you about it offline. So either I'm repeating myself here or saying something that uh, has only been in a conversation with you and I, but like, there's a way in which like I view Ted Lasso as sort of like another side of the same coin as The Leftovers, uh, which was a show that Antonio and I talked about each and every single episode, except for episode five, Don't Add Us. We didn't do that one. Just go from the episode four to episode six recap when you're going back and listening to The Leftovers podcast. Uh, we missed that one. It's not, Sorry, it's not Gladys. Help, Josh. Someone's still Sorry, Gladys. Sorry, Gladys. Um, and it's not lost on me that with that show, which was all about uh, grief and how to process that and incorporate that into your life and how to like still find um, you know meaning and ways to move forward um, and that being a show from Damon Lindelof the uh, one of the creators of Lost and the one who is most credited with frustrating the fans with all these unresolved nonsense items um, uh, that the the core message of that show was reflected in its theme song yes let the mystery be yes uh, and so like I find it very funny that when when I'm I'm kind of like lensing Ted Lasso as a show that is uh, at least a cousin of The Leftovers in that they are both, uh, you know, very, very, very deeply focused on the human experience. Like, that's the connective thread. Uh, They come out in different genres uh, and with uh, wildly different content. Uh, Although if we see Ted check into some sort of international hotel, uh, (laughs) that could be very fun. Um, again, I do think that that's more of a coach beard thing. Um, it's just not lost on me that like this idea of like our job is to let go um, and how those two things thread together a sort of meta commentary. I find that fascinating. I find that exciting because usually like the job of the podcaster is we got to tell you what's happening. We're got and we got to tell you what's gonna happen. Uh, and I love that piece of the job. Don't get me wrong. But man, I do love just stopping and smelling the roses because them roses smell so good. Sometimes they smell like a rainbow. Roses really uh, uh, smell like something else, I've heard. Um, uh, that's true. That is also true. But I think in this case for me, like I just delight in Ted Lasso. And is there a world where I would have rather like crushed this season uh, and just like gotten to this faster? 
maybe sure uh you know uh certainly like if that was the intention creatively like we got here quicker um yeah then i i get that and i I would love to see the creative vision upheld i think in some ways the show right now is uh very much a victim of its own success um which i think is like a an admirable problem to have that's a you know very much like a high class problem um i i don't know though like i i don't i don't i I'm happy to have a weekly shot of lasso. I'm happy to know that like at the end of every shit week that we've got here at the end, at <laughs> yeah, the speaking end of, of people it, not getting their shots, you know, you get a tab of Ted like, yeah, <laughs> I want that. So like, I'm not mad at that. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty happy with this idea of like, just let it go. But I also think, um, that one of the strengths of Ted Lasso has been like the ways in which it has surprised us. Like I think structurally, like to like talk about this episode specifically, like it just did things that the show has never done before. It really like it was all the rom com homages, um, you know, it's like the the Harry Met Sally stuff, the breaking of the fourth wall, um, you know, the two people who uh, are in the stands that speak directly yes. to us, like you know, very very uh, you know tropey and genre convention stuff that is just wielded to such great effect in this love story, not about um. Per- person meets person but um you know this this uh this cosmic love story uh between athlete and sport uh i think is is was really really beautifully told and for me there's no world where you like guess that that's going to be the structure of an episode like it felt very singular it felt very beautifully realized um and the joy in in talking about this stuff for me is like then you and I just get to get on a microphone and kind of bask in that stuff. Um, but the fact that that is such like a left turn that you can't see that coming, it's still packed with stuff that is um, looking inside of itself and referring to itself. Um, I think the British owl uh, joke is a great example of the ways in which the show itself is not a goldfish. Uh, the show is not having that 10 second memory of just doing a thing and moving on. The show and the structure of the show, um, and the way that certain jokes uh, feedback loop into it, it's into itself. You know, look at the uh, if uh, you know, pay me ten bucks if I say in touch. Uh, you know, call outs throughout the very first episode of the whole show, uh, and the way that that's just like littered throughout. This is a show with a memory. This is a show that remembers what it's doing. This is a show that answers the call when it puts the call out. So I feel very confident that there is going to be a lot that has been set up in the season of the show that is going to get paid off. But I think it's hard to call how. And that is beautiful. I love that. Yeah. I don't want to I don't want to be right. I just want to I want to be delighted like everybody else. Yeah, and I don't I definitely don't want I mean I I love the basking. I don't want to come off as inglorious baskers. Like this is uh this is definitely something that I want to celebrate for sure. And a rom-com is the perfect lens to, I think, approach some of what's happening in that I think, and I do think some of the struggle is the show has trended into a little more high stakes territory in season two um, with social commentary uh, and and athlete protests uh, and some of those very specific elements in the way they were presented. And I think when you do that, it, it does make the goldfishing a little bit more difficult because on one hand, we can have the Dubai Air protest, and on another, the show is delivering Nespresso machines uh, by the Nestle company, a horrible company. I know there's no ethical consumption under capitalism, but like this is a show where 10 seconds ago, the team was protesting one thing, and the next episode, this is happening. And I, 
I think that's okay because I really think it is about these thematic. I think the leftovers is a perfect example because I do think it is about the personal. I do think it is about the uh, thematic things that are evolving, the relationships that are developing. That's where the secret sauce of Ted Lasso season one was. It wasn't that Ted's superpower. That Perry Perry. The Perry Perry. It wasn't that Ted's uh, superpower was winning people over right away. Uh, his true power was the stamina. It, it was that it was he was relentless over time and it broke people down, whether it was Roy Kent, whether it was ultimately Jamie Tart, uh, all these people. Um, Ted does have an impact and the Ted Lasso way does ultimately work in some respects. And it's interesting to talk about that in the course of this episode. But the show itself, it isn't so much that it needs to deliver on high concept or extremely twisty plots week to week. Um, it's that it, de- it de- delivers what it delivers by virtue of breaking you down over time uh, with what it delivers in terms of the emotional content. So I think the emotional content is very specific and interesting to track. I think that's what evolves more specifically than the plot points. And I think totally. the plot points um, lead to the emotional content. And so that's why they're worth talking about. But uh, the Nate, uh, Nate is a perfect example. Roy is a perfect example. I mean, let's start with Roy and get into it. We've been talking about Roy and Roy wanting to stay away from AFC Richmond. Why hasn't he shown up? Ted's leaving all these tickets uh, under these country singers names, which was, of course, paid off in this episode. Uh, We actually got the punchline to how that played out. Uh, But Roy has not really embraced the football in that way. He's not come back to the games. He's not sitting up there in the owner's box or anywhere around the team. He's not uh, leaning in on his uh, Reba McIntyre alter ego. Exactly. Uh, He's staying away. And it was this episode presented it at first as though we could use Roy to help Isaac. But really what we did is use Isaac to help Roy. And in doing so, I think paid off on a lot of where we had found Roy Kent, where he was seemingly at peace. He was very entertaining. Uh, he was this like yogi yoga, uh, yoga yogi who would like, you know, hovering above it all, uh, presenting inch perfect advice to other people uh, and just doing a fantastic job of existing in that world and not being with his first love football. And I think this episode showed how that Roy Kent uh, was not as evolved as we maybe thought and that he needs this to feel complete uh, in a way that punditry did not deliver um he needs to feel the growth that that is football he he expresses things in this in this episode that ted has expressed about why he loves coaching having an impact on people's lives seeing the way that the skill develops getting better over time those commitments that you make and seeing the payoffs for them those are not happening necessarily week to week it's a baby steps kind of thing so it's just fascinating to think about Roy kent in that in that realm and just the way we are taking in ted lasso in that realm because it really does deliver in Roy's story this week. I'm so happy that he's back in, in like you said at the beginning of this. Like he's back in a way that a couple of weeks ago you said, I don't want that for Roy. I want Roy to be happy. But they managed to find a way to make sure that it happened in a way that we know this is yeah. what makes Roy Kent happy. Yes. Um, but I think the things that make you happy have a way of making you sad as well. Of course. Uh, you know, yes. um, like me with eating. <laughs> yeah, like me with eating as well. Like uh, all of us with eating, I think. That I I think that um, you know, we we have Roy more firmly back in the orbit of the show now. You know, uh he will he will 
I think it will take some arm twisting, and I'm sure they will certainly try to twist his arm, if not his knee, yeah. into calling him a diamond dog. Yes, you he's know? not done like, growling, right? You know, like that stuff is still going on. Um, but he's he's in it now. He's in the hub of things like Cassandra, and I think that for for Roy, what that means is that thing that I was really rooting against is let this man live his life. Let him be happy. Uh, let there be no drama surrounding this character. Uh, and I'm still hopeful that for the vast majority of it, that uh, I think that can that can be upheld between Roy and Keeley. But I think that Roy being in the game, uh, being a coach on the team, two out of three of the current coaches seem great with this. And one of them seems decidedly not. Uh, in in Nate, who is obviously a very important person on the show, uh, and specifically in season two, has like a really important storyline this week um, in uh, you know gaining his confidence and figuring out what's his version of making himself big, which involves just spitting at himself in a mirror, which uh, <laughs> is like serial killer stuff. Yes, uh, Henry, and you know, and then like him. Um, you know, trying to get that table for for his parents uh, and trying to find, like, what's his thing? Is it putting on a suit? Is it this? Is it that? I'll talk to Isaac. Getting literally laughed at. Um, This person who is the first person, the first image of the season is Nate, is this character who's obviously massively important to what's going on this year, that it is not lost on me that when we're getting that big rainbow return to form for Roy Kent after that incredible journey from the station, uh, I gotta go uh, from, from there to, to uh, becoming coach Kent on the field that the music, that rainbow specifically, uh, I don't know if that's how the song goes, but there is distortion. Oh yeah. Uh, Yeah. It is. You know, but it's like perfectly timed. Like it is, it is not sitting well with Nate. Purposely timed. I am I am very nervous about what that means in terms of uh, certainly for Nate because that's a character I care about a lot and that's somebody whose well being I'm concerned for. Um, but I'm I'm very nervous about how that relates to to Roy. So like it's an electric feeling. There's butterflies. Uh, you know, it is all the things that you want to feel when you fall in love. But when you fall in love, there's inherent risk and danger there too. And so I think we are now in this moment where it's the the warm glow of Roy Kent being where he ought to be, but where he ought to be is still a pretty dangerous place. He's been nervous to like get hurt again, and um, I think that there's like some inevitability of hurt uh, that could be on his way. So I don't know. I feel a lot of feelings about it. Is my point? And it, it, I feel that that same way too. And you're right to highlight all the Nate stuff because it's it's fascinating that when Roy is at his happy place at the donor kebab shop. He says to Ted, like, I'm good at my job. Like, he says, why won't you let me be happy? Why won't you let me be happy? He says to Ted. And Ted doesn't say, like, you know, Ted, Ted's sales job to Roy is per- pitch perfect this episode. Not to suggest another rom-com. But it is, uh, it is pitch perfect in this, uh, in this episode. And Roy decides what makes him happy. Not Ted or anyone else. But it, you, you take Roy's why won't you let me be happy line and you put that over Nate's face at the end of the episode when Nate has showed up in the confidence suit and he's fe- he's feeling himself he's he's you know high on his own supply he's ready to rock coach Nate he's here and then what what as those discordant strings play over his face it's definitely a why won't you let me be happy moment and i we don't know what will happen with Nate one thing we haven't seen 
over the course of what I'm just going to call the two weeks of Ted Lasso season two so far, yeah, um, is Nate the Great. We haven't seen Nate be what Nate was in season one, which is he did have a talent, whether it was for designing plays, whether it was for recognizing what players needed to be told or why they were performing poorly. Uh, maybe his talent wasn't so much in the roasting of it all, like how he was delivering it, even though that was fun. Um, but his ta- he definitely had talents that were rightly recognized and that showed him to be something more than just this uh, meek, milk toast kind of easygoing pushover guy, uh, which is what emerges when the talent is not on display. And that's the Nate we've mostly seen this season. And he definitely overcorrects. We see the overcorrections in this episode yelling, it's Shelby and you know it, you dithering Kestrel, um, just spitting at the mirror, all the things that right. Nate has done. That's the that's the overcorrection of Nate that we often see. So we have not yet seen Nate in the sweet spot uh, that Roy Kent seems to find himself in uh, after having gone through it, after having tried and uh, succeeded or tried and failed to be happy. Uh, we have not seen that for Nate. And it's surely that moment is coming. But what will we go through before we get to that moment? It seems like it could get worse before it gets better for certain, uh, because we just have had a lot of stuff with Nate. I mean, we talk about how Ted puts Higgins in Nate's office uh, without asking Nate. Uh, We had Nate the bully emerging a lot more with poor Will over the course of the first few episodes. Uh, What we haven't seen is Nate doing well. And I think that is obviously coming. It will be nice when it delivers. I hope it's delivered uh, in as triumphant a moment uh, as we see Roy's moment in this episode. Surely it will be. Um, There will be opportunities, certainly. We thought maybe uh, the opportunities would come with Jamie Tart specifically because they always had such a contentious relationship now it feels like maybe Roy will usurp some of that Jamie Tart energy uh, because they too had such a contentious relationship so where Nate fits uh, I don't know but I do feel like the upward swing is coming and we will trace back to all these moments whether it's the office whether it's the bullying of Will whether it's what happens in this episode um, that we'll trace back to all these things and say this was Nate's journey in season two this is how it paid off they did a great job with it shout out to Nick Muhammad shout out to everyone involved like that's where we'll be with Nate by the end of the season I'm confident in that uh, but we're certainly in a rough spot right now for sure yeah uh, I loved uh, the uh, and uh, while you're at it give me your number like no yeah. like, <laughs> selling beyond the clothes <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, nice try yeah. Uh, and she said uh, I'm picky and, and we know from Nate's discussion of the banter app that he is picky as well he's so, also picky yeah maybe yeah. that makes them a good match I mean maybe that's not the last we've seen of Jade who knows but uh, yeah that was very funny um I just, I do think it is, I do think it's fascinating that this was such a, this was such an up and down episode for Nate, but at the core, maybe he just wanted the table, but I feel like what he wanted uh, is what he expressed to Keely. Uh, Can you make me famous? That's that seems to be what Nate has wanted. Recognition. Remember when he burned his sunglasses? That's it. Yeah. Yeah. He burned the sunglasses. That was his very important item because when he was wearing them, a woman once told him he looked like Clive Owen when he was wearing them. Like he craves right. acceptance. He craves adulation. He has not received it. Uh, and so that that is the interesting thing about Nate is like it, that is probably not what he needs. But if that's what he wants, it'll be interesting to see how those two things relate over the course of his story. Yeah, I'm fascinated by it. Um, you know, uh, the idea of like Nate the celebrity and then like trying to like manufacture that, like that is like there's some like there's like some so much danger there that I'm, uh, you know, in terms of like some of the conflict that could be coming our way in the future of the show. Uh, cause we've, you know, we've seen like moments where like, 
his like reading people the riot act like worked out and like it was the thing that people needed um but then like there are those moments where you know he has the he has the outburst uh where you know like keely and rebecca like too far rein it in um and like in the wrong company in the wrong context like i i'm i'm concerned about that for nate so I'm interested. I'm really interested to to see where that goes. And I, I really loved his storyline this week. I thought it was I thought it was wonderful. Uh, it was great to like kind of get some insight into like his relationship with his parents and everything like that. Um, so that was all really really great. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. We should talk more about Roy. He's so great in this episode. Where Whether it's like him uh, calling out Wario or him like getting his favorite uh, uh, chicken kebab place ruined. Yeah. Uh, or him lurking in the shadows like freaking Batman with the mag light on <laughs> underneath his chin. Uh, I I put it out there on Twitter this week. I think Brett Goldstein should be Wolverine. I think that he is the, and I think they should just make uh, Wolverine British. Uh, and I think that they should just, and they shouldn't change a thing about Brett Goldstein. He should just play Wolverine like Roy Kent, and that's your, that's how you follow up Hugh Jackman. Uh, that's what I want out of the, that, and I, I came to that this week. Like, he has these moments where he just, he growls at the kid on his way, like, Brett Goldstein and the the oft told story about how he won the role of Roy Kent and really advocated for himself and put himself on tape and pushed for it. Thank God. Just an absolute revelation. He is so, so good. This character is like such an excellent character. Um, but like it is it is so hard to imagine it in the hands of anybody else. Like he's just such a in the way that Sudeikis is so singularly Ted Lasso, I feel like Brett Goldstein is so singularly Roy Kent. It's funny because I'm not an X-Men guy, but one of the things I was shocked to learn about Wolverine, strangely enough, through like a serialized Canadian? Marvel podcast, not Canadian, tiny. He's tiny. Yeah. He's like, what, he like small. five two or something, right? Like yeah. he's a small man, but he looks so fierce and so like large. And it, 
Brett Goldstein does a fantastic job physically with Roy Kent. Brett Goldstein also not a hot, not, not like a huge guy, but Roy, 5'10, 5'10, Roy, Roy Kent somehow manages to fill up the frame. Like it's the posture, it's the way he holds his arms out when he walks. It's the it's the shoulders as he expands. Like Roy Kent has this physical presence, yeah. and he always has. And so maybe Brett Goldstein could pull that off. Like a littler guy who he could make could. himself look bigger. I'm gonna I'm gonna tweet at Jimmy Fallon and see what I can't do. Please, that's uh, never a good idea. No, it worked out for me once. You know, let's see if I can't do it never again. Never a good idea. Uh, uh, never a good idea. Resist that urge to tweet at Jimmy mm, Fallon. Yeah, yeah sure. Uh, no, do what you want, Josh. Do what you, do what makes you happy. That's what Ted Lasso would say, and I think that's what it, where it should go. Uh, I I love the uh, I love the Roy Kent. Uh, I love the I just loved the the way that this evolved. It was uh, it was so perfect. Like I said, it, it's it's interesting to me that the way it's presented. Right, is, there's a problem with Isaac. Isaac is trying to be Roy Kent. He's trying to be gruff. He's screaming at his teammates. There's no fun in it for Isaac. He is trying to be hard. He's trying to replace Roy Kent's shoes. Instead of being Isaac and doing what uh, what got Isaac the armband, he's being Roy Kent. And that is not something that everyone can pull off. Clearly, Brett Goldstein is the guy. So Isaac is doing this, and we need a Roy Kent to solve a problem. Ted presents this as, I don't have a clue what to do. He says it to the doc, like, I know exactly what it's going to take. But then as soon as she leaves the room, Ted says, I don't know. You know, normally I just tell the captain to talk to him. And it's like, well, okay. So that's ultimately what he does. He gets the captain. He gets Roy Kent. Uh, But the way he does it is just so perfect. Like, he does it in a way that it makes it feel like it's Roy's idea. Like, when they're at the kebab shop, Ted basically says, no, I I don't need you to coach. I I just wanted you to talk to Isaac, you know? And then, oh, yeah, he's in his own head, isn't he? Like, then all of a sudden, Roy is a little bit more on board with it. Ted walks away. He doesn't sit there at the place and he doesn't burden Roy with anything else. He doesn't bother him. He lets Roy think about it in his own mind. This all evolves. Ted doesn't even know the details about what's going to happen. Seemingly just has him show up. Uh, It all works so well for both Roy and Ted that it's just a, I think a, a perfect little breadcrumb trail, whether intentional or not to lead Roy back to football. And I I wanted to bring that up as a way of talking about Ted because we've seen Ted fail a couple times this season, or we've seen his ways really get called into question where it's like, is this, is this a good idea? Like Ted's kind of being a dick here. Like what, what is he up to? Whether he intended it or not, this was a perfect way to get Roy Kent back on the team. It was a perfect solution for what the team needed in terms of getting Isaac fixed, but also getting Roy back into the mix. This was missing. You complete our team, uh, Ted says uh, to Roy in a callback to Jerry Maguire. Uh, for those of you who appreciate that film, uh, congratulations to you. Uh, not one I like, Josh. I don't know where you are on Jerry Maguire. On uh, Jerry Maguire, yeah. uh, I, can, I can mostly quote Jerry Maguire chapter and verse. Uh, when I was a young lad, for whatever reason, uh, I glommed onto that movie hard. I was way too young. Uh, to see what Tom Cruise and Kelly Preston were doing. Yes, never stop uh, uh, effing me. Yes, they, yes, what they were doing was uh, intercourse, and uh, <laughs> they were doing I, was I, each other. I, I memorized like the movie, so there's a lot of there's a lot of. Uh, I, I don't think I have it on instant recall anymore, but there are certainly scenes that I could. I, I could did give not you know this. This is a weird character note for you. Yeah, unexpected. Um, unexpected. Yeah, I'm not going to start getting into it right now. Are you a Cameron Crowe guy overall? Not, not really. No, it's this and Almost Famous and 
Certainly not Elizabethtown. Uh, <laughs> what, did you buy a zoo at any Aloha, point? Oh, I forgot I about Aloha. I did not buy a zoo, and I did not buy. A I zoo am hard out on Cameron Crow, so this sure. is uh, this enough. is interesting to Fair me. Enough. This is interesting to me. But uh, Vanilla Sky also hard out. Um, oh yeah, Vanilla Sky. <laughs> I watched that for the first time like four years ago. Freaked me out. <laughs> <laughs> you called for tech support. Um, Help. Yeah, this is a nightmare. Uh, this is a this is not a nightmare though. This is just it. it Ted says Roy completes the team, uh, and he gives him a little bit of a pitch, but it's up to Roy. And then Roy comes to it on his own. It's his epiphany when he sees Isaac out there, happy and celebrating, and he's asked to comment on how he thinks a seventeen-year-old will do in their debut in the league. And Roy gives it the perfect podcaster mantra, right? Like he is speaking from my soul, and he basically yes. just says, "Like we're on the outside looking in, judging them." This isn't what I'm meant to do. I have to go. Uh, I made me want to run into a writer's room, Josh. Like it made me want to speed headlong with my trick knee uh, away from podcasting forever. But uh, we're we are pundits in this game. Uh, Neither of us is the asshole ex coach of Richmond, though. At least, at least, at the very least, uh, uh, no sign of Hall and Oates this week too, which is good. Uh, (laughs) Oh, there's the other one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, but I, uh, I just think I, I really think that this was whether it was Ted's plan or not, it was perfectly executed. And I think it does speak to the lasso way does work like we have had reason to call that into question, uh, the chief among them being the record of the team. Uh, but at least in this respect, Ted's methods were superbly effective and i think they delivered exactly what the team needed maybe individuals within the team aren't going to adjust to it well we see with nate but i i do think that this is evidence that ted is not a, a complete charlatan that some of the things ted says and does are actually truly effective very important and even though ted is saying he has no idea what isaac needs he knew exactly what isaac needed and it turns out he knew exactly what roy needed so maybe ted isn't so ridiculous after all and maybe the ted lasso way will work and maybe it is up to us to wait the rest of the season to see how this plays out yeah um all that being said like i am i am still uh worried about ted and still tracking this poor guy oh, yes. um ongoing battle with depression i thought it, i thought the, the hallway scene yes. with, with ted and sharon was excellent um because i felt really uncomfortable for like not the first time necessarily but in like a pointed way i felt really uncomfortable with ted's lassoisms yeah uh you know the way that he's just like uh goofing off and just like gold fishing through like every possible uh like attempt at insight from sharon um and just like refusal to look deeper into the into the window of his own of his own heart um, was was really pointed to me. Um, I'm concerned about this guy's well being, and I think that this episode um, really did a great job of pushing that story forward, which I think is undoubtedly still really clearly um, a, a critical, not just plot line, but obviously character journey uh, for for if not you know just the season, but the the show overall like i'm 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 glad that ted got the win that he needed here in both getting isaac back on board but also getting roy onto the pitch and part of the staff um that's fantastic i expect they won that game yes um you know uh but like there are other battles that he is still struggling with that he himself needs a ted lasso type to to pull him pull him out of it, um, you're you're really right i think to flag that it makes me worried about what it is going to actually take if the losses or the draws 
the failures on the field didn't do it. Uh, if that's not it, like, what is it going to take for Ted uh, to seek the help that he clearly needs? Uh, he all but admits to the doc that he's under pressure. He does it in a goofy ass way. Uh, and he does it in a way that is trying to control the the scenario or all the interaction with humor and, like you said, all the goldfishisms and pushing things away in a way that is absolutely awkward. The doc knows this. She's doing her own version of Ted with Roy. Like, she's doing the slow play. Like, my door is open. Like, you can come to me. Like, I'm ready. Like, whenever you need help, I know you're under pressure. She said as much to him in the first episode. Like, Heavy hangs the head. I think it's the second episode. Like, Heavy hangs the head that wears the visor, right? Like, she knows he's under pressure. She's witnessing him in all these rooms. She's witnessing him tell the team, like, your our job is to have no expectations. Like, our job is to not expect any result or any outcome. And you can easily imagine what it must have been like uh, for Michelle to be in couples therapy with him, right? Uh, when this is his behavior. This is the way he handles conflict or problems. Is He's goofy about it. He jokes about it. He tries to be upbeat and positive about it. Sometimes you have to come to Jesus, or in this case, at Dr. Fieldstone, and I do think that that is coming. I just worry for Ted and for the show. I mean, I don't think it's going to get too dark, but I do think, uh, considering what we saw in season one and make Rebecca great again with Ted's panic attack in Liverpool, I just feel like we're going to get into that territory again and probably worse than before because it's going to take something to get him into the area where I think from right. the beginning we said he's going to be, which is in Dr. Fieldstone's office, talking to her, uh, really exposing some of the things that make Ted tick uh, and that really make his, that, that impact his worldview. Some of the times when season one is at its best is when that's happening. Those moments are coming. It's just a matter of when, not a matter of if. Uh, and I think you're right. That hallway scene really typifies this. Doesn't in a subtle way. They don't linger. It's a scene that probably lasts no more than a minute, a minute and a half tops. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sharon's doing that classic therapist thing where she knows what's going on. <laughs> yes. Like she, sees, she, sees, she sees the heart of it, yep. and she's gonna, she, will, she will wait a full freaking year for Ted to come out with it. Yes. You know? <laughs> she, di- she diagnosed she him the minute, the minute she met him. Right. She won't bring it up. Yep. She won't do it. She'll try to get Ted to get there, but if Ted doesn't get there for two years... <laughs> She'll gladly she'll take her for, 150 bucks an hour. She'll wait for Ted to say it before she says it. Yes. That's the tactic. And like, it's, it has to happen. He has to get there, you know, and she can only do what she can to, you know, um, not quite lead the way, but maybe like illuminate the way right. to a certain degree. In the way that Ted did with Roy, uh, illuminating yeah. his own face uh, with Isaac. Um, <laughs> one of, Honestly, one of my absolute favorite shots of the whole show. <laughs> they were both terrified, just, too. That was terrified. hilarious. <laughs> it was so good. Isaac was jumps so good. behind Ted. <laughs> or maybe it was Ted behind Isaac. But either way, very, very yeah. funny. Like, yeah. very funny. Classic Roy Kent. Uh, it was really nice to spend some time with Isaac as a character. I agree. Um, he had we got his catchphrase, Macadoodle Doo. We saw him yeah. celebrating uh, the the five aside, uh, which is by the way, this is the the football that's being played there. Uh, it's a very popular game uh, in uh, the UK, especially um, the way that that's played on a smaller pitch uh, in an enclosed space. Uh, with the smaller goals, uh, with less people on the field, uh, extremely popular recreational activity. Uh, love to see that get worked in. Love knowing that that was part of Roy Kent's origin story, uh, and part of his, uh, his, his, like, 
just his coping mechanisms as a player was to get back to his roots. Uh, there are people from different countries that uh, have different versions of this. Uh, people in America now are still playing futsal. Like that's a thing that is growing in popularity, which is very similar. It's sort of an indoor uh, version of a smaller version of soccer. I know a lot of kids are playing that now. Extremely popular in South America. Um, and it leads to a different kind of play style. Uh, when you, when you grow up playing like this, uh, you have to be v- much more efficient in space. Instead of kicking the ball into an open area and then sprinting for it, uh, you really have to learn how to do some of the tricks that Isaac was doing uh, in this episode where, you know, you're fainting, you're, you're, you're doing a lot with your hips and your feet. Uh, it's just really fun to watch. I thought the football looked excellent in that scene where they were doing that. So it was really fun to see how that played out. I thought that was a, a great way to bring Isaac back to what he loved about the game because it was presented as such a fun thing uh, to see people playing that way. And I know that uh, people love that. So that was great. I, I, like you, love spending time with Isaac. It wasn't Isaac uh, on a throne uh, is the secret Santa uh, right. purveyor, but uh, it, was, it was nonetheless probably the most we've got to know about him as a character or really uh, sit some time with him. And I think season two, I think when we were putting down our flags for things we wanted to see, we wanted to see more of Sam. We wanted to see more of Danny Rojas, and we wanted to yeah, see think- more of some of the other people on the team, and we're doing that already. We're, yes. you know, we're doing that, so it's great. Yeah, I mean, I think like it, this is a show that is so character focused and character driven in the characters that we've really got to know in season one. I feel like we know them. We very effectively got to know them, um, and I think season two. It's not that it has like ground to make up or anything like that, but like it has the space. Yeah, you know, the opportunity. It's got the, it, it's got the room to do that. Yeah. Um, so I, I was really, really thrilled that we got to see uh, so much um, from Isaac. So before we like really shift gears to some extent, at least, is there anything else from like the, the storylines we're talking about right now that you want to dig into before? I don't know. I need to check uh, what's on um, uh, who, who I'm messaging with on banter. I think right that's where. Uh, yeah. As long as you're using banter and not too messing, I think we're in a good place. Yeah. Um, not that too messing would be a bad place, but perhaps for the podcast, maybe not. Uh, doesn't translate in the same way. Uh, no, I think it's important that we talk about the banter of it all, uh, because I, I uh, clearly they're the team's official sponsor now, just sort of unspoken. Uh, Dubai Air is gone. Banter is on the kits. Banter is all around the stadium. Uh, that definitely a step down from a multinational conglomerate to a startup uh, dating app. But here we are at AFC Yeah, Richmond. but the show is all about love. So that's what they're <laughs> selling, Antonio. The commoditization of love. My favorite yeah, thing, Josh. It's rom-communism. Yes, my favorite thing. Uh, so banter is in play here. And for the first time, really, since we... Since we had the app introduced, we see it uh, in in the wild here being used at least by one character, um, specifically somebody who we have seen with the online dating apps, and we've talked about their dating life a lot this season, and it's Rebecca. Rebecca has a, a, a new relationship that is forming on banter. We don't know. Uh, it, the, we don't know who that kind of person is. Uh, we don't know anything about them. Um, we all, the, all we know is their username and their username, just another tribute to rom-coms, a tribute to you, you've got mail. So whether that uh, means anything or there's any deeper meaning, I don't, I don't know that there's anything to glean what was beyond the, that. What was the username? It was like LDN, like London 152, I okay. think. And I think NYC 152 was 
Tom Hanks in uh, You've Got Mail. So, got it. Uh, and I think it was Shop Girl versus Boss Girl, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, those two comparisons. So, those were the usernames. But what Rebecca is getting into here, obviously, very, uh, very questionable territory. The power of banter is you don't know who you're messaging with, and you build the connection that is more deep and more real without the, you know, the surface elements of how do you look or how do you look on two messes. Uh, so the question is, Josh, uh, do we, do we care or I'm sure we care, but what are we worried about? What are we, what are the options here? I mean, the show pretty clearly winks at the possibility that it could be Ted. I know yeah. you have some feelings on this. Um, I don't have like hugely strong feelings on this. Um, so first of all, in the post show recaps, patron discord, where you can, uh, not only interact, interact with Wario, uh, but you could also occasionally interact with Antonio. Uh, Antonio, I know in the Ted Lasso channel, um, you had put out the question, uh, with the assist from Jen and Aldo putting the poll together about how are we feeling about Ted and Rebecca as an item? Um, with the questions are, are we shipping it? Effectively, the poll was Ted and Rebecca, yay or nay? Um, uh, yes, no, or trust the process. Overwhelmingly in favor of trust the process, uh, with a, with a hefty side order of no and a smidgen of yes, uh, is what the, the post show recaps patron audience, uh, seems to feel like, um, as it, uh, as it pertains to, to Ted and Rebecca. Um, the thing that I'll say is like, so she's she's on the phone and we cut from her on the phone clearly on banter like you know that's the text she's on banter we cut from that to this hallway scene it's the, this is the hallway scene right with Ted and and Sharon um and Ted is on his phone uh Ted is texting somebody so the connection there very clearly uh feels like Rebecca is um bantering with Ted or at least that the show uh, has given you the language to like get to that place. Whether or not that is uh, a logic leap uh, is is another thing. But I feel like I don't know, Antonio. There's like no world in which like that is done without the thought of people are going to think that this is Rebecca messaging Ted, right? Like this is a smart show. The writers are very intelligent. They see how that plays in the edit bay. Like, there's just no world where uh, where you are making the show and you are watching that, where at the very least you are not thinking like, oh, people are going to connect that this is Rebecca talking to Ted. There's no way. Like, there's no way. Like, that is clearly what they were setting up the expectation for. Is it a Ted Herring? I don't know. Like, I don't care, quite frankly. I trust the process, so I, I'm okay with it. I, right. I don't think, I, I don't need it, and I don't want it. But I, if they deliver it, I'm confident that they will be able to deliver it. I think we That's have, where I'm at as well. We've seen that Ted and Rebecca can be very good for each other, emotionally supportive for each other. We frankly could point to a half dozen examples at this point. Um, but we, that doesn't mean anything about how they need to be together uh, in one way, shape, or form. I, To be perfectly uh, frank, I'm not sure either of them uh, is over their previous relationship. I think we saw Rebecca's epiphany in the first episode of this season uh, with the Amy Mann playing um, that maybe she is. Like, maybe she's finally getting there. Um, but I... I don't know. I, do you feel like the person that she is messaging will be somebody that we've seen on the show? 
Um, yeah, I feel like it makes sense. It's either someone that we've seen on the show or it'll be like a big casting coup, you know, like it'll be something like that. Clive I feel Owen. like, um, <laughs> let me, let me uh, run some, let me run some possibilities by you that I've got in my mind and I want to see what you, what you think. The about only, them. go ahead. The only thing I want to add is like, I, I, if, if Ted and Rebecca are, are bantering with each other, um, then I will, I, I trust the show, uh, that the show knows what it's doing. The thing for me is like, if they're not, and the show has kind of like given us a lot of these like connectors with Ted and Rebecca that do not feel like they are by accident. Um, but if they are, as you so uh, rightly put it, Ted Herrings, like just whatever it's trying to like waft the scent off of, like that's really got to be a great payoff. Uh, otherwise, I feel like I do feel like just like a little bit like loosened around just a tiny, tiny bit. And like, I don't care that much, but like it is a little cute. Um, like a sp- this one was like the one where it's like, OK, this is really cute if it's not Ted and Rebecca. Like if this isn't if this isn't Ted on the other side of this. And I don't think it is because I feel like this is a, like a weird moment to like be almost like too obvious about it without actually showing us. Like, I feel like it almost makes me feel like it can't be Ted on the other side of um, of of the banter app and also him being our main character for us to like not know that he's doing this like I feel like it's too much of a frosty remove from the guy that you um, really need to be able to like sort of be in the head of and to like make the suppositions about where he's at what's his state this would not be a nothing thing for him to be on banter and for us to not know about it Feels like a, a mistake that a lesser show makes. Um, so I don't know. I I don't I don't feel like it's Ted, but like I also do feel like that whatever the banter storyline is leading to, it's just got to land really well. Otherwise, I'm just going to feel slightly jostled. This is That's what I this is what I was I trying to. That was what I was trying to get you to get into when I said I know you had some some thoughts about it because I feel like lightly jostled and my, like jostled. and like. A slight, slight mistrust in the process. <laughs> mistrust the process. <laughs> Let's not you know, have that not, be the hashtag. Not, not major, not majorly, but like a little tiny bit. And this is like without like, I'm not really rooting for them. It's not number one on my call sheet, but I feel like they just went there. So wherever they are going, it's just got to be really good. Uh, so they just like raised a bar for me is all. All right. Let me hit a couple things uh, and then I'll set you. I'll see if these things clear your bar or if they uh, limbo under it. First, we've seen Ted texting with his son on match days a lot. Uh, we've seen it in the show several times. So it is very easy to assume that that's who he was texting with. Um, right. We see that a lot on the show. Uh, second, we see Ted texting in this episode a couple of times. I don't want you to say, I, want, I don't want anybody in the audience to be like, well, maybe we did see Ted on banter. I don't know why the audience sounds like that. I'm sorry to audience. Um, <laughs> We saw him texting earlier when he says he starts going through his phone when he's talking about how he doesn't know what to do for Isaac. He says, I need a big dog. And he starts scrolling through his phone. And we immediately cut to Keely looking at the coffee machines as Rebecca giggles while bantering. Not as much of a smash cut as we see later in the episode, but a direct cut pretty much from Ted playing with his phone to Rebecca giggling on banter. Now, was Ted using banter at that time? I don't know. But if we do find out later that he was, like, I think there's possibilities for us saying we've seen Ted texting and smiling like he was on banter the whole time. So right. let's just say that that's, that's at least in the show a little bit. But let me give you some possibilities here. Okay, let's start with the darkest timeline. And I want, I'm going to set this up by saying if you talk about Ted's mission statement uh, at the beginning when he's talking about where the team's at right now, he says they're in the dark forest. And he says, that thing doesn't come along right at the beginning, doesn't come along at the end, it comes along right at the middle. We are in the middle of Ted Lasso's three-season arc. 
We had one season. We have a second season where we're at now, and we have a third season. We don't know if the show will go beyond that. We know that that's all that was planned. Okay, so we're in the dark forest of Ted Lasso by Ted's own design, by the character whose name is the title of the show telling us where we're at. We're in the dark forest. The dark forest option is that Rebecca is matched with Rupert. Right. Uh, Goldie Pole in the Poster Recaps page of Discord was remarking on this. Uh, said, uh, I didn't really have strong feelings about Ted and Rebecca until uh, I read a review where the reviewer thought Rebecca could be talking to Rupert, and I found that extremely upsetting, and now I want whatever prevents that. <laughs> and whatever prevents it. Uh, Rebecca could be matched with Will, the kit man, and it is, as long as it's not Rupert, we'll be <laughs> Good okay. For Will. Yeah. Good for Good Will. Good for Will. Yeah. yeah, he's really punching above his weight there. Um, okay, so that, what, how do you feel about that? Uh, I would be so mad about it. I wouldn't love it. It I seems love exceptionally it. cruel, does it not? Yeah, it does. It really it really does. We have not had Rupert in this season. We have not we had haven't. a big bad in this season uh, or any kind of real, like the conflict is much more subtle. We talked about depression being the main villain. We talked about the conflict that is emerging through those kind of things. But Rupert would be, uh, he would certainly be a presence. And he's not the kind of guy, and he's such an asshole. He just shows up when you least want him to show up throughout the course of season one. Uh, it could easily be that he shows up when we I, least want I, to show up here. I could, I could imagine it. Like I, I, like I, I would hate when I say I would hate it. Like I hate it for Rebecca for sure. And then like I would have to see like how the show handled it. Um, like it's not like my top option for sure. But um, I don't think you'd be I, using the I, app. I, yeah, it doesn't I don't make think sense. So either it doesn't, it doesn't really track uh, for him. Like he. He rolls up to a to a charity event and you know Pulls. walks away. Yeah. yeah, with the with like the future mother of his child. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, he doesn't he doesn't go on banter. He probably would be on Tumescent though. I'm just want to say that. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but yeah, I don't think he would use uh, he would use banter. But let's talk about some more people who might use banter. What about uh, Coach Beard? Uh, yeah, you know, Coach Beard's probably using banter. Uh, I mean, I, the, the, there is the, there is a quote from Rilke, which stops Rebecca dead in her tracks. Uh, that does seem to be the kind of thing that Beard would be able to pull just out of nowhere. Yeah, but then it's again like for me, that's too much story for Coach Beard. <laughs> <laughs> you you want just the, you want to hear him as he's walking away say lumberjack I, world championships, baby. I know, I know, I said this about Roy Kent, but I really mean it about Coach Beard. Like I've got, a, I've got basically all I need to know. Like now, I just want what I like. Like, give us like the grace notes, you know. Like, I don't need, I don't need like, uh, I don't need Beard and Rebecca to be a thing. Grace should have a podcast called Grace Notes, by the way. I wouldn't love that. That's a great idea for Grace. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so you're not you're not loving Coach Beard, but at least it's possible. We heard Beard earlier say he wasn't using the app because Jane would just destroy his phone like i forget exactly what the specifics right. of that she would do but uh jane is no longer in the picture so far as we know i have a yeah, feeling yeah she probably is. she though. probably is that's what i was going to say they seem to be this the joke is that beard and jane are just at each other's throats constantly but also like can't stay away from each other whether it's over chess or stonehenge i don't think beard is on uh is on the app and we also heard about somebody who's super picky and probably doesn't know uh necessarily is not the person who's pulling real right away but would fit on banter and that's nate what about nate and rebecca well i thought about that actually and i kind of felt like when they were sort of like doing like the she's all that to to nate yeah um, or, or the my fair lady pygmalion you know, like, clueless right you know like the glow I, kind up. Of, I kind of thought that like maybe like uh 
a final point on the board by the end of the episode would have been like showing Nate on on banter. And I thought that that would be really interesting. Um, I thought it'd be interesting. Like I thought that that would be compelling uh, to to see like that storyline percolate between Nate and Rebecca and where that could potentially go and the things that could like open up for for both of them, whether that was like they end up together or it helps them realize things about themselves. Um, but the fact that the sh- the the show was so focused on other things for Nate doesn't like fully rule him out for me. But my thinking would be more that it's like it's Ted or it's somebody who we haven't seen much of this season. Somebody who we're not like who we don't really, really, really live with. I know you have a candidate on board yes. that would that would like fit the bill of kind of what I'm a talking Rilke about. A Rilke quoting football knowing uh, potentially intellectual level uh, Rebecca match. What about uh, Trent Krim, the independent? Yeah, do we need to give Trent Krim a storyline though? Do we need to? Uh, yeah. There's a lot of things that they've already done in season two that I'm not sure we needed, but we probably wanted because they know what people enjoyed. People loved the Trent Krim. Uh, they loved the episode with Trent Krim. I think Trent Krim's cosign of Ted Lasso is a significant portion of the first part of season one. It tells us as the audience, like, okay, here's somebody who is exceptionally tough as a critic, who is not going to pull any punches. Who buys into the Ted Lasso way and who's rooting for him? The Ted, La- the, the, the Trent Crim cosign is a big deal at the beginning of season one for Ted Lasso. It is a major, it pisses Rebecca off. Higgins doesn't even want to read the story because he knows that the Trent Crim sign, uh, the cosign is a massive deal. So I don't know. I mean, Trent Crim as a presence has had a lot more, uh, impact on the show than Trent Crim as a character, but Trent Crim as a character has had an impact on the show. So at least it remains possible. It just, I guess it ultimately, it's about what do you want out of the banter match? Like, what do we want it to be? Do we want it to be a life lesson for Rebecca? Do we want it to be true love? Do we want it to just be a comic joke? There, there's a, there's a match in Parks and Recreation, I think, in season two. I won't spoil it, but, uh, I will say Leslie Nope, Amy Poehler's character, matches with someone on a dating profile, uh, that is supposed to give you your exact soulmate. And who she ends up with, it, it is a played for comedy, strictly played for comedy, uh, in a way that sort of, I think, winked at things that the, the show or people watching the show, Thought maybe as a sitcom, the show might get into, uh, but they just had a little fun with it. So if we're just having fun with this storyline, I think the Trent Krim match could be fun, as as could the Nate match. Um, they could just be fun ways to do this. But if we're talking about what we want out of the thing, there is another version that is a slightly less dark version of the Rupert match, and that's if Rebecca is messaging with John Wingsnight, uh, the person that she dumped <laughs> oh, in funny. the first episode. Uh, what does this say if, if Rebecca decides she wants something more, forms a deep bond with somebody and realizes it's the guy she kicked to the curb already? That's cute. You know, I, I think something like that I, I think could be fun. Um, you know, I, I think like that's it's a fairly like low stakes version of it. Um, but I, I, I don't hate that. In my mind, I was thinking about like other characters who are like uh, who are like firmly on the show but also are um, sometimes maybe a little out of sight, out of mind. Like in this episode, certainly was not somebody who was like hugely on the show. Um, could it be Sam? I do, it could be. I, it could be Sam. Uh, and I don't know about the logic of what I thought the players were on the field warming up when that was going on. I mean, if they were in the locker room, obviously it could be any of the players. And Sam is is one it could be. We had 
a re- just to trace some of it like yeah. there's the yes. scene yes. of sam and rebecca in the office together in the very first season which feels kind of at the time like uh, like a gift she- to like spend some time with sam obasanya but like kind of like also a little jarring because like it's it's just not like a character pairing that you had thought of at the time, and he's not somebody who gets spotlights at that moment in time. She thinks he's um, hitting on her in that episode because he says, "What are you doing tonight?" Uh, and he's asking right. her to come to the team's like curse uh, event, right? Because he feels like it's important that she's a part of the team. He's the one, not Ted or anyone else, that says, "Rebecca, you should be there and you should do this." Right. And she right. thinks it's you know, a, she thinks it's a, a at first it's a pass that he's making. Right. Uh, Nora obviously loves Sam. Um, I think uh, there's an argument to be made that Sam doing the rightest thing and taking the stand against Dubai Air inspires Rebecca to do the rightest thing as well. So there's already a way in which they're walking together in lockstep. Um, Dubai Air being literally replaced by banter uh, on uh, on you know on the on the kit. so like I think like there there's like a there's a path there. Um I would be interested in that if that was where they were going. Like that's like kind of an outside possibility for me. I I think that I mean I think that's a, a pretty strong. The only thing that I, would hold me back from that is I just don't know if the players were meant to be on the pitch when that was going down or not. Right. Uh I I'd have to go back and look and see for sure. Otherwise, I think it's actually compelling in some ways for the reasons you said and just because it would present a very interesting commentary, I think, on on a lot, on the characters themselves, on uh, where they're at with this. I mean, you, let's not forget that Keeley encouraged all the players to use the app. And that was something that she really pushed hard. Everybody get on there. Everybody right. use this app. And so is it Sam? Like, is that is that somebody that... I mean, I think it, it very well Tart. could be. Jamie Tart yeah. is another possibility. Obviously, he's not quoting Rilke, though. Um, so I really don't think it could be him, but, but he's somebody who's like trying to like discover himself and he's somebody who's trying to be different. Uh, you know, he had the, he had the conversation with Keely in season one about, I just, we just talk about like, yeah. uh, about, you know, like uh, about how I don't want the thing and I get the yeah. thing, you know, like, we'll know like, it's Jamie if he censored the squirrel holding the little nut. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that will be the giveaway. Yeah, for we sure. will know that for sure. And the username yeah. doesn't say anything, but the, mo- the emoji says everything. Uh, yes. yes. Yeah. I, I, it could be, it could be one of the players. I think Sam is probably the best uh, possible suspect there uh, for sure. So if it's somebody that's been on the show, I'm curious what everyone else thinks. Not what necessarily yeah, people want, but I, I'm curious what people listening think. So hit us up really in the Discord and tweet anything, at us. I guess. Yeah. I guess I don't really want anything. I, I, I am very much like trust the process here, and I'm curious. I, I'm I'm very curious to see where it's where it's going, and I do think that I assign a bit of myself to like the category of like. I wish that there was like a little bit more that they were doing with Rebecca's story other than it being like all about like finding the love of her life um, is is maybe not my favorite use of Hannah Waddingham. Um, uh, that being said, her making herself big was one of the most astonishing things I have seen on television in quite some time. Yes. An inch perfect. Uh, it, t- it took my breath away. It really did. The noise she made. <laughs> did uh, you want to invade France afterwards is the question. Well, it was one of those moments where I was like, ah, yes, Septa Unella. Yes, uh, exactly. This is you. <laughs> I, I know you. I know this version yeah. of you for sure. 
Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Uh, so good. So, it. so yeah. good. And oh, she's so good. Extremely relatable moment, too, where she sends a, like a, a very, uh, uh, like a charged text message to a potential, uh, mate and then throws the phone aside and shoves a whole biscuit in her mouth. Like, uh-huh, I yeah. think that's, uh, anybody in this modern era has been there for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was um, very funny. Very funny. Um, all right. What else from from the episode do you wanna do you wanna get in? You wanna kick at some stuff? Yeah. Let's 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 just collect some things that we haven't necessarily collected. Um, we did talk about the the dark forest, uh, and I am interested to see if that does trace as we go back over the course of this second season. Once we see it all, would this be the dark forest season? Um, is something very bad going to happen to the team before something very good happens? Are they? Instead of relegation is the story that they're going to stay relegated, and then the the great story at the end of the third season is they're going to get promoted, uh, and they're going to get back to the Premier League. Is that it? And then maybe that opens the door for more beyond that uh, once they get back. I, I don't know. So I am interested to know if this is the Dark Forest season or if that's just a thing uh, that was mentioned as a where they're at in the current time of the season and is not supposed to be seen as a metaphor for this season. Uh, Josh... Aubergine and snogging, uh, they're fine for beard in terms of the, uh, the British, uh, versus, uh, American, uh, versions of English. Uh, but beard will not, he will not stand for piles. He will not accept piles. Do you know what piles are, Josh? I have no idea. Piles of do you, uh, do you piles wanna, of stuff. Do you want to Google it while we're on so we can just hear you laugh uh, as it emerges? Piles Urban Dictionary. Uh, yeah, just yeah, just maybe just do right, piles, piles a definition. You know, or, uh, uh, piles. I mean, I don't even think you need to do Urban Dictionary. This is not an urban thing. This is just a thing like aubergine and snogging that has a different meaning uh, there. All right, so piles. Let's see what does piles mean. Oh, huh. <laughs> Yeah. Hemorrhoids. Well, hemorrhoids. A picture showed up. A picture showed up. I would tell you to do the next one that Beard was said he was fine with, but the picture that might show up is different. What about Fanny? Are you aware of the connotation of Fanny? That's what I'm currently sitting on, right? That's what you're currently sitting on because you live in America. If you're, uh-huh. if you're sitting on that uh, somewhere else, I just learned something about you I did not know. Okay, uh, I'm not going to look that up. Yeah, uh, for th- those people who know, no. If you know, you know. Uh, but the fanny means something different there. Uh, same general area, I will say, um, but uh, uh-huh. something different. Uh, so beard is beard is up oh. on this lingo. Beard is beard Got is it. he's he accepts certain things, but not others. Um, Understood. Understood. The AFC Wrexham joke. Uh, that's a real thing. Obviously, uh, you're probably aware of this. Yes, this is Ryan Reynolds and Mac. Yes, that they uh, they co own a team, and I believe they released a joint statement, not appreciating they did uh, being uh, joked at, and so they uh, asked for uh, some uh, some of Ted Lasso's biscuits as an apology. Yeah, that's funny. I mean, do you yeah. think that this is going to lead to not a Mythic Quest uh, Ted Lasso crossover, but is it possible we see Ryan Reynolds and? Uh, Matt Ryan show Reynolds up here? Is, is is harder to imagine, uh, although not totally impossible. Uh, but I just feel like his rate, uh, his quote, you know, he <laughs> yeah. can make one bad movie. Uh, <laughs> it would be cosmic gumbo if he showed up. That's for sure. Uh, but I feel like, but I feel like Mac, uh, Rob McElhenney, Like I feel like uh, he's in the family, certainly at Apple with Mythic Quest, and also this is sort of his thing. It's like cameoing on the biggest show of the moment, whether it was Lost, then it was Game of Thrones. Like Ted Lasso has come along, and it's a contender. But, you know, like it is a water cooler dominator in a similar way. I didn't actually. It didn't even occur to me that uh, he is like known for his cameos, but. Uh, 
He does this. Yeah, he does this. He does this. I hope he this does, does not this. lead to those two dumb... I almost said the mf or word. Uh, David and uh, D&D directing a Ted Lasso episode. That cannot, that cannot happen. I'm out. I hope not. That happens, I I'm hope out. Not. I'm out. <laughs> Fully out. <laughs> Stronger get, feelings get, about that than I have about the Fountainhead, Josh. I'll get a I'll get a pinch hitter. In. Yeah, we kind of uh, forgot about uh, Danny. Kind of forgot about enough. the Iron Fleet. Yeah, that's um, fine. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> I need. It. I think I'm I'm a wigwam and a teepee right now. I'm too tense. Um, I hear you. The, uh, oh my god. The the Higgins and uh, his wife's meet cute story. A legitimate rom com meet cute story there. With the, I uh, love the Higginses so much. He was playing uh, in a punk band with upright bass. Uh, I think he was he playing air upright bass is my interpretation, which is even nerdier oh, really? than actually being in a band. Uh, um, so funny. Yeah. So funny. That he is got a beer Jeremy dumped Sw- on his head. That is the Jeremy Swift's uh, real life uh, wife. That is, They are actually married in real life. It's beautiful. It's so it's beautiful. beautiful. And I love yeah. that the, the show is using the Higgins family and the Higgins relationship as, as health. You know, like here's, here's like Higgins is that family is positive like there's good energy there and i love that the show is celebrating it and showing like this is it like it's interesting because roy kent and his hilarious like met rom-com tropey dash to the uh the ground is basically saying like i'll tell you what they said behind the music like you have to date your wife you know what i mean yeah. and, like that's yes. what higgins is up to like dating it's just such a nice moment in the middle of all that um when the swifts uh unite uh in the ground there and they're are ready to watch the match together just fantastic uh i love the higgins story i'm all in yeah. on higgins even though he has a gelatinous l4 l5 i laughed every time i heard that <laughs> yeah that was great too not quite as uh, funny as his being a feminine junior late in season one but along yes. those same lines for sure higgins is a great punchline yes. great yes. punchline so is roy kent's great aunt natalie uh who like wario uh would be a mustachioed surprise that would anger him wario yeah <laughs> As lo- I, like, I could not get over the way he said wario wario yeah the yeah. uh I, I also liked um, the we talked about the physical work of Hannah Waddingham. Um, she's got a great moment where she reacts to Nate's uh, terrible uh, initial pitch uh, when they're working him out to try to see about him getting a table when she's diagnosing how serious the problem really is. Uh, she's really looking right at him uh, and her face says it all like, oh, boy, like this is we have a, we have a lot of work to do. I, I really yeah. enjoyed that. I really enjoyed that. Probably not as much as it enjoyed. uh not, not as much as Ted enjoyed learning that Roy dated Gina Gershon once. <laughs> yeah, that was exciting stuff. Yeah. Uh, do you think she's the one who stole his watch? Uh, possibly. I don't know much about Gina Gershon uh, in that realm. I don't know if she would uh, sell it for drug money or not, but it's possible. Um, he doesn't need yeah. it, though, so who cares? Yeah, who cares? He already has a phone. He doesn't need a watch. I felt some uh, Mighty Ducks 2 vibes, Josh, uh, where they uh, they had to go to the... Uh, the version of street football in order to kind of find themselves and get over there. Uh, oh, get over their I hype. was thinking about Rocky five when Rocky and Tommy Gunn have to fight on the street. Also. Yeah. All, just, oh, a different thing. Yeah. yeah but, but, but you're right. Very similar. Like, uh, taking the essence of the thing and stripping it down and putting it out there and reminding you why you love it or why you're doing it, fighting in the street or, you know, playing hockey, playing street hockey, uh, like they do in mighty ducks two or here, uh, playing five aside, uh, or playing the, the way that they were playing. So I like that. You mentioned the Titanic couple, the couple with the stories to the camera. I think if people didn't realize that was a call out, uh, it would have been a little jarring, but it was yet another in the line of the rom-com shout outs. What other rom-com shout outs did you, did you track in this episode? I feel like we've talked about, uh, about most of the ones that really spiked on on my radar. I'm trying to think. It I was 
the pair of Jerry Maguire's obviously was very notable to me. The Jerry um, pair, yeah. <laughs> I liked. Uh, I really liked the uh, As You Wish. I mean, he rattles off like three in like fifteen seconds there, where he's just I'm just a, a guy standing in front of a guy asking yeah. him to coach, or you know, you I complete. Think that was team. my least. I thought that was my least favorite. Yeah, uh, not I great. Think was the not was the Notting Hill one? But yeah. I really liked how he says As You Wish at the end, like because yeah. anyone who I mean, I love the Princess Bride, love, love, love it, and anyone who who knows that movie well knows what, when Ted was saying As You Wish, he was really saying I love you, Roy. Yeah, uh, and that of was that was great. Uh, uh, you had me at coach. Uh, that was a beard's reaction to you had me at coach. Hilarious. Like yes. just a quick intake of breath. Uh, just so funny. Like really, really, yeah. really funny. Probably the most like uh, you get these moments where beard actually shows like a little bit of something like that was really great. So I, I enjoyed that. Um, Ted says about Nate in the suit. If you're out to describe the truth, leave elegance to the tailor. Uh, that's, I think, a quote that's attributed to Albert Einstein, but I'm not sure that I really unpack what it, what it actually means. Does that mean anything to you? If you are out to describe the truth, leave elegance to the tailor. Um, no. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll move on then. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. I think it's like a thing that's commonly attributed to Albert Einstein. I don't know, you know, in those, in these ways that Abe Lincoln talks about how, you know, 90% of statistics on the internet are made up or whatever. Like, uh, I, I just think that like, I don't know right. if that's an actual Albert Einstein quote. Um, but I, I just think that like, um, I think that probably that has to do with like, like, you know, elegance in this instance, like, I don't know, like that it, it could be like an Occam's razor kind of thing. Like, um, you know, if you're out to just get the answer, don't worry about what is like the most simple theory. Leave elegance to the like tailor. That's not it's not your, that's not your job. Yeah, You shouldn't focus on what is like the most elegant way to do something. You should they just have, focus on getting have, it done. They have someone for that. Yeah. You know, like that's not your focus. Get the suit. Tell the truth. Yeah. You're mm-hmm. not you're not you're not. uh you're not responsible for the measurements. It doesn't have to be as as perfect as it needs to be. You just right. need to get it right. Like it doesn't need to be, you know, you're not out there to design something that is that is that. So, I don't know how that applies with anything else in the show, but it was an interesting thing for Ted to pull. And if he's pulling that quote, Josh, I think he could pull Rilke for sure. So, um the fact that that he that he's doing that there, I I don't know um it's it's well beyond his typical realm. It's not a quote from a popular song. It's not a quote from a popular movie. Um this is a pretty deep cut for Ted. Uh so the fact that he's dropping a deep cut like that, especially in a moment where he's just gone through under pressure and talked about the shining, uh I don't think that uh it nece- it, it was it stuck out to me. Let's just put it that way. It stuck out yeah, to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. Oh, one other thing I want to mention before we before we get into the needle drops and wrap this. Uh Cristo Fernandez who plays uh Danny Rojas did an AMA on the Ted Lasso subreddit this week. Um, that subreddit is kind of a mess. Uh, with was a lot he of, feeling especially cheeky? He was not. It was pretty cheeky, Josh. That that AMA was pretty cheeky. Um, I don't know about that. He did answer a ton of questions, a lot, a lot more than the typical AMA, and he did not just want to talk about Rampart uh, like other, like some AMAs have gone off yeah. the rails. Um, he was really open to any and all questions, but one of the things uh, his loose lips let slip in uh, a manner of speaking is he seemed to confirm that the second uh, added episode from this season would not be a standalone episode okay. and that they found a way to work it into the continuity. So make so of flowing. that what you will. We're flowing now. 
we're, we're in it. We're in it. So from from six onward, we, we, we uh, should not be able to identify what was the episode that was added. Got it. Okay. Cool. At least oh, according like to Christo Fernandez, whether that's true yeah. or not, I don't know. Um, sure. We had a lot of rainbow needle drops in this episode. Swing on a rainbow. Frankie Avalon starts the episode in a very yeah. Nora Ephron like way. I feel like uh, in the way that the soundtracks of uh, her movies often uh, trend in this realm. Uh, so swing on a rainbow there, and then she's a rainbow. Obviously, probably my single favorite uh, needle drop of the second season, uh, which I feel like has lagged on delivering the big musical moments in the way that season one did uh, so fantastically on a couple of different occasions. Uh, this is one that they, I think, really did well with, right down to, as you point out, um, the moment of the song with the discordant strings playing over Nate. Uh, it doesn't sound as happy as the rest of the song there. So I just think that they crushed it with this one. Uh, oh, yeah. That. like Just like the, I mean, like it was a great episode already. And then I think like the final act uh, catapulted it. Uh, yep. like just the the way that they played it, like the the desperation of like Roy, like needing to get there as quickly as possible. Like you could feel his heart beating. You know what I mean? Like you could like you could you could like you can imagine like the the flushness of your face in like a moment of that. Like I think it was so evocative, um, of like uh what it feels like to be like swept up in sort of like uh an epic romance yeah uh it was it was really 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 brilliantly done and obviously uh the the music sells it stripping himself of material goods uh giving his entire wad of cash to the scouser that was taking him around in the black cab uh whose wife loves cash so it's just fine uh, giving his watch to the uh rickshaw the pedal cab driver uh the rainbow pedal cab there um so really just kind of stripping himself of all material goods or material needs uh like the only thing at the heart it was- of it the only thing it was missing was like that element of uh, like the ticking time bomb uh, that I feel like so often accompanies these things, whether it's like the graduate. He wasn't going like, to get to the match on time. It, yeah, but whatever, you know, like he would, he would, like it wasn't going to end. Like he would have gotten, it there, was very important know? that he be there by kickoff for those boys, Josh, you know, uh, I don't know if that, if that totally holds for me, but I feel like that element for me was like the only thing missing. And it wasn't even like, severely missing i do i did love by the way that uh the little kid uh who you like to tweet the the gif of for the wolverine role he, he's not sure he thinks it might be roy kent then roy kent growls at him but then he knows it's roy kent then he knows it's roy similarly kent, yeah. when roy kent is trying to present himself as roy kent without a ticket let me in the stewards will not let him in but when it, he it says could be roy kent, when he yeah. says f off it is you <laughs> It is you. <laughs> you yeah. have to, he has to show that to people to be recognized in public, which I think is a great uh, statement on Roy Kent's public persona for sure. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Um, anything else from this episode? No. I mean, we talked about how everything uh, the, was the references back. I, I love that. Uh, and like I said, Roy's speech about how we don't know um, and we're on the outside looking in. I think it's a, a good reminder of where we're all at with Ted Lasso season two. Uh, and that what we should do is remind ourselves of why we love the show. Um, go back and watch season one if that's your version of playing football outdoors and you're waiting for season two to deliver like that. Just go enjoy your first season and come back. You know, when the episodes have piled up and you can take in Ted Lasso season two the same way you took it in in season one. If you can't yeah. do that, you have to be able to just kind of put your phone aside like Rebecca and eat the biscuits and love what you're doing. Like I, I'm really... I'm really excited about where the show could be going. Um, uh, someone who who I trust a lot uh, and someone who I've worked with a, a little bit over the years, uh, Alex Zalbin over at Decider, I think that he had written online today as we're recording this, 
um, that this was actually one of his least favorite episodes, the one we're talking about right now, even though he knows that a lot of people loved it. Um, and he feels that the, the next couple of episodes coming up um, are uh, among the best that the show has put out. Um, so I'm intrigued to see what could be coming next. I do think that like this episode felt to me like um, a, a real like threshold to like to not to get through like is definitely the wrong way of putting it, but you know what I mean. Like I think like we we cleared something, yeah. Um, and so I think like there is uh like we're it, it kind of feels like we're clear for takeoff at this moment. It's an excite it's an exciting moment. We were supposed to taxi for one week. We were supposed yeah. to taxi for one week, watch three episodes, and then take off in week two. We didn't do that because of Apple, right. because they didn't air those episodes together, because they wanted to drag out the subscriptions to Apple TV+. Plus. I'm sure that's why. They extended oh, yeah. the episode order. Same thing. They did 100%. it after the 10 episodes were broken. So we did not, to get, to, we did not to get to enjoy this the way that we were meant to. And we're, we're, we're bookending this podcast by saying this. So I think hopefully what we mean is what we're, what we're doing now is we have taken off and we will, we will benefit from everything that was set up in those first few episodes. The emotional moments, the storyline moments, the plot, the conflict, all of it will begin to pay off here now that we've taken off. And I can't wait to see where we end up. All right, so next week, we are in episode six of season two called The Signal. Oh, my. What could that be? The Signal. Uh, yeah. Uh, that, that's where Roy Kent truly becomes Batman. Uh, someone throws uh, the Roy Kent yeah. signal up in the sky, and there we are. Maybe Rebecca loses signal on her phone, just as she's about to find out oh, who the N152 is. Uh, that could be good. There could be uh, some secret language that evolves between Ted and Beard, too. Beard could give someone the signal. Uh, that seems like a Beard thing that he would do. All right. We need our cryptologists on yes. standby for next week's episode, I think. Yeah, in uh, case we miss the signal. Yeah, we don't want to miss the signal. The thing that is, the, be, the other, the, the one bad. signal that I think uh, concerns me is a distress signal, right? Like a flare or some kind of distress signal. Uh, even <laughs> even if a flare is supposed to be a very exciting yeah. moment in someone's life when they finally get to shoot it and it amounts to nothing. Um, right. Yeah, a distress signal could be concerning. An SOS, if you will. Ted throwing up that signal to Beard, that could be that could be concerning. So if that's the signal, uh, then I'm, I'm not looking forward to it as much, even though I think it will give us good television. Yeah, uh, the warning sign. Right. Uh, is, that, is that what's coming? So we'll see. We'll be on hand to talk about It'll get your feedback in Ted Lasso at postshowrecaps.com. Keep the conversation going with Antonio and I on Twitter. I'm at Round Howard. He's at AC Mazzaro. How many Z's? How many R's? Same as, uh, same as the episode. Same as what he had said started. earlier. Yeah. When has, he said it at the start. If it, it changes, changed. I will let you know, though. Please do. Uh, also, you could talk to us in the Post Show Recaps patron Discord. Sprawling chat room service is the simplest way to describe it. We've got a Ted Lasso channel where you can talk to us about all things Ted. Consider signing up. Patreon.com slash Post Show Recaps. Come meet Wario. Yeah. He's there. Yeah. Please, Josh, keep, keep reminding people that you're using uh, intellectual property behind a paywall. Yeah. He's there. He's there. I didn't say I'm using him. I'm just saying he's there. Yeah, I can't he's get rid there. of him at this point. He has, I didn't do anything. He's, he's infiltrated. There. Yes. He's there. I didn't do it. Uh, so consider signing up. We would appreciate it for sure. Antonio, anything else? Wario was in the zeitgeist. He was just mentioned on Brooklyn Nine Nine. I know. I just wanted to be clear. We were we were doing Wario before it was cool. Yeah, we were. We were. Yeah, yeah. 
I matched with him on banter like two years ago. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> it was very weird. I felt like I was matching with myself, but uh, here we oh are. Oh, my God. All right. All I'm, right. I'm finished. No more, no more banter. All right. Uh, say goodbye to Wario. <laughs> say goodbye to Antonio and myself. We'll talk to you all again next week. Take care. Bye-bye. Cheers. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.